Good morning again. I like to, yeah, you can sit back, it's okay. I want to thank all everybody who has a part to play in Blast, um, reaching out to those kids and what you've seen, just a small portion of uh, what goes on in Blast. You've ever been here for Blast? We start at 3.30 right after school, and we feed them around 5.30. You're more than welcome up and share a meal with us. Love to have you. Ask me questions, ask the teachers questions, love to have you here. Um, we're in our second theme of this sermon series, and the first one we looked at about two weeks ago, we talked about hope, and we discovered a man named Simeon who faithfully awaited the arrival of the promised Savior. And through his example, we learned that waiting is not lazy idleness. Rather, it's active preparation that is filled with hope. As you can tell today, we now turn our attention to peace. And as a way of an opening illustration, have you ever gone shopping the day after Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was a little different this year, more people online, but before COVID... I went one time with my wife, and her mother was still here at that point. We all gathered up. This back when Walmart was actually in the Bowie City limits where that factory is across from Dos Chili's today. We got there real early, and it was cold. And I was amazed at about 3 o'clock in the morning, I might be off on that time, how many people were standing outside waiting for the doors to open. And as we all gathered in front of that door, there was great anticipation because all of us had that perfect gift we wanted to give a family member or a friend and we just wanted to get in there and get to it and get those good deals right and we're all waiting in great anticipation you can hear the people talking I'm gonna get this I can't wait to get that it's the perfect gift and then the waiting was over and the doors swung open Now, great anticipation was filled with shoving and yelling and shouting. I saw people jump off a pallet. This was back when the scooters were real big for the kids. I saw people jump on the pallet and say, this one is mine. In fact, my mother-in-law, Sandra Tammy's mother, had her coat stuck in a cart, a shopping cart or a buggy as we call it. And the lady just pushed it. There my mother goes like this. She wouldn't even wait. So all this anticipation was shattered by shoving and pushing. Isn't it amazing? I said this before, but isn't it amazing? Here in America, we set a day aside to give thanks. We sit around this big feast, right? We have all our families and friends. Oh, we're so thankful, Lord, that we live in this country. We thank you for our friends and our family. Only followed by a day when we pound each other out of the way to buy stuff we can't really afford to oppress people we don't really even like. Just an observation that I've made. Now, that's not an isolated event. That really happens all over the country, and the news reports on it. So my question to you this morning is, how is it that the joy and peace of the Christmas season is often exchanged with anger and frustration? 
Every individual wants to or desires to experience a piece of Christmas, but far too often, conflict is what we experience rather than peace. Now, much of the Bible is written by people who found themselves in the midst of struggle as well. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament, it is a story of the people of God who are under siege by surrounding nations, exiled to foreign countries, or enslaved to powerful empires. And as you read the Old Testament, you can see it's crying out to God to bring them peace. In fact, one of the prophetic promises of Isaiah addressed the need for a new leader who would come and be called, quote, the Prince of Peace, end of quote. They believed God was faithful and that he always kept his promises. So they eagerly awaited God to send the rescue. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It states, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest or literally be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Bear with me as I get the rest of that passage. I apologize. Isaiah. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So there you have the promise, the prophetic promise found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. And of course the promise that is penned by Isaiah is telling us that you just saw the text, a a child's going to be born. More specifically, a son. And look at the names that he'll be called. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as you read that text, you find out that he will usher in a new government that will have no end. You have to remember, this is not a reality when Isaiah wrote this. When he wrote this, this was hundreds of years before Christ came. This is not a reality. But it gave the Jewish people hope. And peace. It reminds them that God has not forgotten about them. And it's no secret to you or to me or anybody that we live in a time where there is little peace around us. You can watch the news just for a few minutes and you will see a world that struggles with pain. You'll see it in far off countries as well as in our own country. You see it in global pandemics and war. Sometimes, even closer to their home, our own families are at odds with one another. Whether far or near, we can relate to the people of God desiring one who will come, rule over all, bringing order to the chaos and healing to the brokenness. I firmly believe that if we're honest with each other and with God this morning, we long to see peace in our world. We long to see God fulfill his promise of one who will rule with love and compassion. 
The good news is this morning, God did fulfill that promise hundreds of years later after Isaiah wrote his passage. And remember this, as we look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and follow, remember this. Think about the first people that heard the birth announcement of the Messiah being born. Who was it who heard the first birth announcement? So let's look at Luke chapter 2, starting in chapter, I mean, sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there are some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened or terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David... There has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from the, into heaven... The shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at these things which were told by them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, seen just as it had been told them. Look at the first people who heard the birth announcement. Imagine, if you will, a cold, dark night. There is a group of shepherds. They were keeping their flocks of sheep during the night. And they're just going about another routine. Now, typically, we think of these shepherds as cute little boys with staffs. But these were shepherds of the ancient Near East. What I mean by that is shepherds were seen as some of the lowest of the low in Jewish society. They're a nomadic group. They lived off the grid. They traveled to find pasture for their sheep. Single young men without any children. They were not clean and probably didn't smell very good. They were the blue-collar crowd who worked hard and long to earn a living. They were considered second-class citizens and untrustworthy, yet they are the first ones to get the birth announcement of Jesus Christ being born. Now, as a side note, think on that for a second. Jesus is born. He lives. He performs many miracles. He teaches. He's betrayed. He's crucified. He dies. And then he's resurrected. Who were the first ones to see their resurrected Lord? Women. Now, ladies, no offense. But back in those days, they didn't trust women. Women didn't have the benefits that you have. Think about that. Our Lord 
The first ones to hear were shepherds. Not a king sitting in a palace, not a president, but shepherds. Who saw him first? Women. Tells you something, I believe, about the character of our God. You see, the peace of Christ is for everyone. From the very beginning of the Christmas story, you can see that the hope, peace, joy, and love that arrived with the birth of Christ was not just for a group or a class of society. The child who was born is for everybody, everywhere. The peace that will come with his leadership and rule was not just for the ones who are already in power, but for the ones who are scratching and clawing just to make it another day. If you feel like you are not trustworthy or worthy of the peace that is found in Jesus, just know that you are in good company this morning because the message of peace that comes with Christ is for you. An angel of the Lord appeared to those shepherds out in that field. What was the first response of the shepherds? They were terribly frightened. They were scared. Why was that? Because the glory of the Lord shone around them in the dead of night. I had a New Testament professor who asked us one time in class, why do you think only one angel showed up, announced it, and then the host the multitude showed up later. So I was scratching my hand trying to think of some deep theological reason why that happened. You know what he said? The shepherds couldn't take it. They were scared out of their mind when only one showed up. If all of them showed up at once, they probably would have had a heart attack right there and died on the spot. Because the glory of the Lord was shown about them at this announcement. Look at the first words. Do not be afraid. Dear beloved, those words speak to us today in this moment in which we live. Do not be afraid. Though you may be facing a painful situation, do not be afraid. You may be facing an unfavorable diagnosis, do not be afraid. You may be struggling to restore a relationship. Do not be afraid. You may be anxious about your circumstances. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There is a new strain of COVID. I don't like who the president is. Do not be afraid. Is it important for us to participate in the political process of our nation? Yes. People have died to give you that right. But I face tomorrow by not who's sitting in the White House. I face tomorrow by who sits on the throne, and that's the Lord God Almighty. Dear beloved, do not be afraid. Do you get anxious when you hear the words, I have good news? The angel says, Behold, do not be afraid. I, I have good news. Sometimes, I must admit, I get anxious when I hear that because usually it goes, I have good news and I have some what? Bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? I, only, I want to give this answer. I only want one of them. I only want the good news. But because I usually have no choice, 
I choose good news. Or sometimes I'll take the bad news first and then the good news. Maybe some of you in this room and listening to us over the internet, maybe you can use some good news today. Because your spirit does not know peace. In the arrival of Jesus, we are given good news. The good news is this, dear beloved. You have not been forgotten by God. In fact, He has come to be with you in the midst of your struggle and pain. He was born in the city of David. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the King. He's the one you have been waiting for to bring you that peace that you can never find. The world promises it, but it can never deliver what it promises. Because you see, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is found, true peace is found in the presence of God. The peace that Jesus brings into our lives is not the absence of trouble or struggle or conflict. Instead, it is the confidence, the assurance, the certainty that we are not alone. And this kind of peace he brings to us is quite different from what we may expect. To illustrate that, long time ago, there was a man who wanted to find a picture that portrayed true peace. And as he went from gallery to gallery, he couldn't find that one piece that brought the satisfaction. So that, that's a picture of peace. So he announced he was going to have a contest to produce this masterpiece that he wanted. This challenge stirred up the imaginations of artists everywhere. And the paintings arrived, arrived from far and wide. And finally, the great day of revelation arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another while the viewers looked on and they clapped and they cheered. But then the tensions began to grow. Nothing's been picked up to this point and now it comes down to two pictures or paintings. As the judge pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mere smooth lake reflected lacy green birches. Under the soft blush of the evening sky, along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep were were grazing undisturbed. Everybody thought, surely this is a winter. Have you seen pictures from the Midwest or Northwest? They have those lakes that are so clear that when you look at them, they look deeper than what they are because they're perfectly reflecting the sky. You ever seen pictures like that? Just absolutely beautiful. And everybody thought, this has to be it. This this is it. And the crowd grasped in surprise. Well, a man walked up. Not one of the judges. This man walked up, pulled the cover over the last picture. And didn't know it at the time, but the guy who pulled the cover up is the one who produced the picture in the first place. And as they looked at the picture, they saw a beautiful, powerful waterfall cascading down a rocky precipice. It was painted in such a way that when you looked at it, you could almost feel the water splashing on you, the cool of the spray. You could feel the force of it. You could almost hear it 
as you looked at it. The crowd began to feel cold. And in the distance of, above the painting where the water was falling, there was storm clouds that were threatening. And it was captured in such a way you could just imagine that those clouds were going to burst forth with thunder and lightning and rend and rain. And in the midst of all these thundering noises and bitter chill, there is a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. And this, this tree was standing there and it grew out like this and the water's falling right there. And one little branch was kind of looked almost like the tree was trying to reach out and touch that waterfall to feel the force of that waterfall. And when that branch came out from the tree, right there in that little elbow, there was a nest. And there was a bird sitting in there, content, undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, resting on her eggs with her eyes closed and her wings covered her little ones. That manifests peace. In the midst of everything that going around that little bird, she was completely content and at peace in her surroundings. Dear beloved, I don't know what each one of you is going through today, but all of us have our stories, our baggage, our hurts, our brokenness. God doesn't promise to remove those things, but he promises to walk through with us during those moments when you go through those valleys and those storms. He is there. And see, true peace can be experienced in the midst of chaos and turmoil. And when you and I recognize that peace is not about our circumstances, rather it's about the one who is faithful to walk with us, even through the most difficult times, that's when we find true and everlasting peace. The first Christmas morning, the angels brought good news. Luke writes that prophetic promise with Isaiah in mind. Child's been born in the town of David. He will be a better king who will rule and bring peace. And he keys in on the time when the nation of Israel knew peace. In Isaiah, you see that it's almost referring back to when David was king. What we call the good old days. Let's face it, you go back and look at the history of Israel. There were some prosperous years under King David. They looked back at that. They wanted to see that happen again. They wanted a time... But that become reality again. And we read in the prophetic promise that this, this new leader would be better than David. But look how he comes. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Laying in the manger. Literally a feeding trough. You have to realize the audience in which heard this. Herod. That is Excuse me for saying, that's one messed up family. Go back and do the history of the family of Herod. Very paranoid about losing his rule. He had all these huge palaces built so he could retreat back if there ever was a siege. And so in the shadow of these huge, magnificent fortresses and palaces that represented power and authority, in the shadow of all those things, in a manger laying in a feeding trough, 
was the God of the universe, Emmanuel, God with us. See, this peace cannot come from a mortal man, but only from the divine. And as soon as this announcement is made, the good news inspires a song. Look back at verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You see that God's favor comes from being at peace with God. The Bible tells us the most important place where we need to experience peace is not within our relationship and circumstances around us. But our greatest need is to have peace with the Holy God. The book of Romans tells us that the rule that governs us most is the rule of sin. It stirs chaos and conflict within us. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. No matter how good you think you are, you cannot measure up to the goodness of God. Even Jesus, when a guy approached him, teacher, good teacher, and Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is only one good, and that's Father who's in heaven. You can't do it. We need to have that peace. Before you have peace, True peace with your spouse, with your children, with your other relatives, with friends, and with the community. You have to have peace with the Creator. See, once our vertical relationship has that peace, then it goes out horizontally to relationships around us. When we find ourselves lost in sin, our spirits are at odds with God. Because when we're, at, when we're, we're sinning and we're sinning against God, we're lost because... We do not submit to him. We will not submit to him. Because you know why we do that? This is cut to the chase. Because we think we know better. Is, not the, is, not the, is this not the headwaters or the source of every conflict we face? Are we, at, are we not at war with one another, harming one another? Because in the end, we think we know best, but we don't. Simple illustration. Now you realize every illustration breaks down at some point. We own a Ford Ranger pickup. Something happens with that Ford Ranger. I know some people like Ford over Chevys. Just bear with me. Would I go buy a Volkswagen's own manual to fix that Ford? Doesn't make any sense, does it? Now it may tell me basic things. I'm able to fix it for a while, but when that breaks, not only will that part break, but then I'll probably take out three or more Ford with it. If I do not follow the owner's manual, who was written by people who built and designed the vehicle in the first place. Oh yeah, you can fix it, like I said. But eventually it will break down and cost you more money and time in the end. That's true. Then why is it when we have problems with our relationships, or within ourselves, or with our friends and family, do we look everywhere else but the owner's manual, which is the Bible written by God himself? That's where we need to go. Because we're too prideful, we think we know better. The birth of Christ 
tells us is a coming of a new rule for the entire world. And this rule begins in each and every one of our hearts. What I mean by that is this. Jesus didn't say the kingdom of God will come. Look in the New Testament. It's all through the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Think about this. Now, excuse my terminology. The evasion has already begun. How is that? Because when you come to faith in Christ, you confess your sins, you repent from your sins, and put your trust and faith in Christ. In that moment, you are transformed. You're given a new character. Behold, all things have passed away. New things have come. You are a new creation, a creature. That's what the Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians. Now you have the Spirit of God. And you're going around showing that light to everybody else. And that's how it begins. If you're a believer in this room or watching me this morning, you represent the kingdom of God. You have that light within yourselves. That's how it begins. But one day that kingdom will be fully consummated when he comes back again. I can't tell you when that may be. Could be next hour. Could be next week. Could be 10 years from now. I do not know. But I do know one thing. We're closer right now than we were an hour ago. There's another thing we can't keep control of. Yeah, we should go to doctors, take care of ourselves, but let's face it, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We never know that time might come when we'll be thrown off in eternity. Those are two things there, beloved, you have no control over. Yes, you can take care of yourself and die, and I think you should do that. Be a good steward of your body and your life God's given you. But the fact remains, the time here on earth is very, very short. That baby in the manger grew up and he offered himself on the cross as an atonement for our sins the peace that we find at christmas comes from submitting to the lordship and leadership of jesus christ it reorients our heart and makes us friends with god though the world may be in chaos around us we can find comfort and confidence and knowing that we have been made right with God through the blood of Jesus and that he is with us and his presence in our lives brings us peace tim aren't you freaking out about what's happening to our country yes of course i'm concerned what's happening to our country i served my country but i can have peace in the midst of that it's kind of like this you ever heard this said many vets will tell you this who served in world war 2 Korea and Vietnam, they said, courage is not the absence of fear. Rather, courage is doing the right thing in spite of fear. Every last one of those veterans would tell you, yeah, they were scared to death when those bullets and bombs were flying. Who wouldn't be? Everything in your body is screaming out, get out of there. But they knew what they had to do. And as I go through my life, I look at TV and I see all these things happen. Oh, man, what's going to happen? Our world's all chaotic but I can have peace because God is walking with me. And he reminds me, Tim, didn't I tell you so, friend? Look what Jesus said. In your life, you will have tribulation. You will suffer. Remember, they first persecuted me. He says, they will persecute you. Maybe today, as I spoke to you, you recognize that there's a reason there's peace in your heart because you have not made peace with God. And let me tell you, that peace is available today. Because of God's grace, we can, we can in faith trust Jesus with everything, even our very lives. 
And I invite you today, if you don't know that peace, as we'll stand just a moment, have a time of invitation. I want you to respond and get that peace you're desperately looking for, but it's evaded you. And I'm telling you that true peace can only be found in Christ Jesus. And it's available to you. I don't care where you've done, what you look like, how smart you are, everything. That can be all made new again. It's kind of hitting that Alt-Shift-Delete button on your computer. Restart, reboot. It's all because of who Jesus is. And I'm telling you, from experience, many of you didn't know me back in 1998 when I gave my life to Christ. (laughs) I'm not shaking with fear about it, but I've always had this dream that when I look out here, a lot of people who worked for America and knew me before I was a Christian would show up, oh, they could tell you some stories on me. Bad stories. Things I'm ashamed of. But it reminds me, God says, Tim, look where you were. Look at everything I brought you through up to this moment. Why don't you trust me, son, for the future? I have it in my hands. Just trust me. If you've never given your life to Christ, I invite you to do that this morning and find that peace. Because you know what? They tell you this is a perfect Christmas gift and it'll bring happiness and satisfaction. The only thing that can do that for you is receive the greatest gift ever given, and that is Christ himself. That's the only thing. If you've done that at one point in your life, what's holding you back? Because Christianity, please hear me, I'm going to close with this. Christianity is not passive, it is active. Constantly growing, constantly knowing more about our God, constantly becoming more and more in an image like Christ. We are become more like Christ today than we were yesterday. It's a constant journey, and you get there by baby steps. And I don't know what you're thinking, Tim, I'm not where near I need to be. That's fine. You recognize it. That's the first step. Cry out to him. God says in his word, if you search for me with all your heart, I will make myself known to you. Come with those those questions you have. Come, the word says. Let us sit down and reason together. But please, I beg of you, if God is knocking on your heart today, please don't let this moment pass you by. Can you imagine... When you stand before God in all eternity, I can't prove this by Scripture. This is me just thinking out loud. To stand there and in that moment realize I was given every opportunity to respond to the gospel, but I didn't. How tragic, how horrific that would be. Don't let that happen to you. Respond now. Respond now. He will never let you down. He is there every step of the way. If you're looking to do that, I would invite you even to come forward and maybe join us. Because Christianity is lived in community. And we help each other. Since I've been here five years as of last month around Thanksgiving, I've seen this church laugh together. I've seen this church work together. I've seen this church cry together. I've seen you rally around one another. You've done it for me. And countless others that are part of this church. 
We're not a perfect church. All right? If they were, when they called me as pastor, well, that blew that right out of the water. What you'll find here, people who want to live for Christ and submit themselves to his leadership and his lordship. We're not perfect, but that's what we're striving for. And we want to invite as many people to come with us as we possibly can. Because in the end, salvation is a gift. We are saved by faith. Let me back up. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We could come together and sing songs and read about the greatest gift ever given the entire world. And that's the gift of your son. That through him we can experience true peace. No matter what our circumstances are, what we're facing, we can have that at peace and assurance that we're never truly alone because you are with us. Father, we know that this world is not our home. That our true home is found with you in heaven where we'll worship you and for all eternity. But until that day comes, dear God, may we be your faithful servants. May we be, so to speak, like those Christmas lights we see this time of year that light up the darkness that are so pretty, pretty and breathtaking to look at. May that light that we have in us shine that same way into a cold, dark world. May we shine the light you have given us to everyone around us. And in so doing, glorify you because you are alone are worthy of it all. We thank you, dear God, for your love, for your grace, for the, for the hope and the peace that you give us. Continue to speak to our hearts this morning, O oh God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.